Folk, over these three Sundays, our theme will be Lessons in Discipleship and uh, we'll base our thoughts on Luke chapters 8, 9 and 10. But just now, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Now, our thanks to those who help us during these holiday Sundays some before the service, some during the service and then several others after the service. We appreciate their ministry to us. Before we actually get to the readings, it may be helpful if we take a look at the basic structure of Luke's Gospel. It has four main parts as we will see. First, there are four chapters about the coming of Jesus and his childhood. Then there's a section dealing with Jesus' public ministry in the region of Galilee. The largest section of the book covers various events on a long journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. And then finally, Luke records details of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Now our interest is in chapters 8, 9 and 10 and you can see that they begin in Galilee and reach over into part of the journey to Jerusalem. Now with that sort of background, let me introduce our subject this way. During Jesus' ministry in Galilee... He performed a number of miracles. Some of them are found in chapters 4 and 5, others in chapter 7 and then four more in chapter 8. Now the miracles in chapters 4 and 5 occurred in public places before large crowds of people. For example, and you have your Bible open at chapter 4, look at verse 33. Jesus met a demon-possessed man in the synagogue at Capernaum. A large crowd gathered because Jesus was teaching there. Jesus delivered this troubled man and Luke says all the people were amazed. Jesus was certainly a centre of interest. Now this is typical of the miracles in chapters 4 and 5. Jesus' deeds provided proof that he was who he claimed to be. Luke records in chapter 4 and verse 18 that Jesus read from the scroll of Isaiah saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed. Now he he is claiming to be that promised Messiah and in delivering that demon-possessed man at Capernaum he did release someone who was oppressed, oppressed by an evil spirit. Now moving to the miracles in chapter 7, turn across a page or two, we find they now have a different focus although there are still crowds of people involved. First, there was a Roman centurion. Now, he was a Gentile. 
yet he believed that Jesus could heal his sick servant. Then Jesus raised to life the son of a widow, someone who was usually poor and dependent on others. Next, a prostitute, gate crashed, an official function attended by Jesus and strangely he rewarded her for her faith. Now these miracles in chapter 7 indicate that faith could be found in unexpected people and also in unexpected places. When we get to Luke 8, Jesus continued to teach but the miracles in this chapter again have a different purpose. Now if you look down chapter 8 in your Bible, first his own disciples faced a severe storm but Jesus calmed that storm. Then in verses 26 to 39 they met a man troubled by a demon yet Jesus overcame the demon. Next they met a sick woman for whom no remedy had been found yet Jesus brought healing to her. And lastly in that chapter there was death yet Jesus restored life to Jairus' daughter. Now the specific purpose here was to show Jesus' disciples that he was indeed Lord. He was Lord over storms. He was Lord over demons. He was Lord over sickness. He was even Lord over death. Now we could compare those three groups of miracles this way. The public miracles in chapters 4 and 5 drew attention to Jesus. Those in chapter 7 revealed a clear faith in Jesus but from unexpected people. And then those in chapter 8 had lessons not for the crowds this time but for committed followers of Jesus that he is Lord. Now actually Luke has skilfully outlined for us here a pattern for Christian discipleship. First, attention is drawn to Jesus. Then a decision is made about believing in Jesus. And then thirdly, there develops a life of following Jesus. The pattern for Christian discipleship. Now we come to appreciate how carefully Luke has constructed his gospel as he was guided by the Holy Spirit. Now with all of that background we're ready to enter chapter 8 in some more detail and we're going to concentrate on the healing of the demon-possessed man. Now our first reading from verses 26 through to 29 But it's interesting that uh, in Matthew's record of the same event, Matthew mentions two people. Luke mentions just one. It may be that he chose to focus on the one who was really the centre of the story. Now Luke was a physician and he writes about human ailments with understanding, 
In the Bible, most references to demons and demon possession occur in the Gospels, such as we have in this passage. Now we begin reading at verse 26. Jesus and his disciples sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus and the disciples sailed across the Sea of Galilee to a region on the eastern side that Luke describes as the region of the Gerasenes. It formed part of what we know today as the Golan Heights. Now this miracle we've just read is believed to have taken place in this hilly spot on that part of the shore of Galilee. You can see how the hills run down steeply to Galilee. Now we are very familiar with the physical world of which we are a part but we have only limited insight into other realms of existence beyond our own. Throughout history there are records of people being overcome by supernatural powers. In the Bible signs of demon possession vary but Luke mentions some common ones in these verses that we've read. Now see in verse 27, there's abnormal behaviour. This man did not wear clothes and he lived among the tombs. In verse 28, there's uncharacteristic vocal outbursts. He's shouting. And then also in verse 28, there's unexplained knowledge the demon knew about Jesus and knew who he was. And in verse 29, there's this exceptional strength. Although bound hand and foot, he breaks the chains. Now treatment for such problems in the New Testament period was really limited to confinement and restraint. But this man had overcome such efforts to control him. Now some suggest that a diagnosis today might be depressive psychosis, a mental disorder that causes radical mood swings. Now not every mental disorder is due to demon possession and yet Luke with his medical knowledge of the time 
accepts with Jesus that this was a case of demon possession. And so from these verses we can note three points. Firstly, the self-centred concern of the demon dominated the situation and the troubled man did not seem able to speak or act on his own initiative. The demon had power over him. It was really the demon who spoke. Now second point. Jesus took control of this situation by commanding the evil spirit to come out of the man. Jesus had obvious power over this unseen and evil intruder. And then in verse 28, the demon recognised who Jesus was and also knew what kind of action Jesus might take against him. And thereby the demon actually confirmed Jesus' superior power. Well, we move on in the story, the next few verses, verses 30 to 35. Jesus asked the demon, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him and they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside the demons begged Jesus to let them go into them and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. When Jesus asked the man his name, he responded, Legion. This implied that he was troubled by as many demons as there were soldiers in a Roman legion. 5,000 of them. Now probably this is not meant to be taken literally, but it is an indication that there were or had been many demons involved. Well, a few more key points. First one in this lot, the true situation was not obvious to the people looking on. They could not see the demons, but they did see their destructive impact. Then secondly, the demons knew about matters which are generally beyond human awareness. For example, the abyss was mentioned. Now there are references to this abyss in the book of Revelation. It was a deep and dark place where demons were confined. 
And yet these demons knew about that abyss. They begged not to be sent there, preferring to take up their abode in the herd of pigs nearby. Now we must note that Jesus did not send the demons into the pigs. It was the demons who begged to be allowed to go there. Jesus gave them that permission but it was the choice of the demons. Now we're reminded in James chapter 2 and verse 19, you believe that there is one God. That's good. But even the demons believe that and shudder. One more point here. The people seem unimpressed by what happened to the troubled man. They were actually more concerned about the pigs and yet they were afraid. Something happened that was outside their experience. You know, misunderstanding can lead to wrong conclusions and inappropriate actions. Well, what did happen here? We read on a little further. Our third reading. Verses 36 to 39. Those who had seen this told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. What disturbed the townspeople was presumably the economic consequences of losing the herd of pigs. In unreasonably blaming Jesus, we see something of the distorted values and confused thinking of these people the man had been cured and yet they are overcome with fear. Now was this further evidence of the deceiving work of these demons? It happened in Jesus' time. Does that kind of thing still happen today? Something outside our experience and we become fearful. We are confused. We misunderstand. We respond inappropriately. Paul provides insight into such a response in his second letter to the Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. The God of this age, the little g 
AOD of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Here is the subtle work of the prince of all demons, the deceiver himself, deceiving people with the intention of frustrating God's purposes for them, robbing them of God's blessings. Now other folk in this incident see uh, something a little different. They see that what happened to the pigs might be a pointer to the ultimate end of the devil himself. In Revelation 20 and verse 10, after a decisive battle among the nations, it says, fire came down from heaven and the devil, who had earlier been released from the abyss, was thrown into the lake of burning sulphur. The demon-possessed pigs plunging into the watery lake of Galilee may be a pointer to the devil being thrown into the fiery lake of sulphur at the end of human history. Now the people did not want Jesus to stay and he got into a boat and left. Jesus will not force himself upon those who do not want a relationship with him. To refuse Jesus is a decision we can make but it can have enormous consequences. Well now this brief story ends with the transformed man wanting to travel with Jesus. We can understand that. It was good being with Jesus. Can he now go with Jesus? But Jesus sends him away. We don't expect that. Jesus told him to return home and tell others what had happened to him. Now there is a sense in which he was given an assignment which Jesus himself could not fulfil at that time. He was to go home and tell the good news about Jesus to these misguided, confused and fearful people. What an assignment. Well, we need to sum up. Are there pointers here for us Now most psychologists today dismiss demon possession but there is credible evidence supporting a contrary view. Now the Bible leads to the conclusion that as there is the Holy Spirit at work in the world and with him angels that we do not see as subordinate agents of good so there is Satan, the prince of evil at work in the world and with him demons who we do not see as subordinate agents of evil. Now these miracles in chapter 8 are not about a few people who just happen to be in the right place at the right time for Jesus to work a miracle so that they could live happily ever after. It's much more than that. 
Jesus used situations that naturally occurred during the day to show that he was Lord. He was Lord over troubles that people encounter in daily living. We focused our attention on just one event that revealed the unseen and mischievous damage created by evil forces in the world. Are those forces still at work in our world? At a later time Paul wrote our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Not all those with troubles at the time were delivered from them in Luke chapter 8 but Jesus did demonstrate his lordship over troubles that people encounter in life. But the day will come when all who believe and follow Jesus will also be wonderfully transformed. They will have new bodies for a new life in a new place free from all trouble and evil. In the meantime, One important lesson for us to learn is that Jesus is Lord. Lord over storms. Lord over demons. Lord over sickness. Lord over death. To be a follower of Jesus is a choice that we make. We need to choose carefully, thoughtfully. It's actually a matter of life and death. Luke has given us here an example of the process of discipleship. This man had been drawn to Jesus. His subsequent responses showed that he believed in Jesus. Although his first impulse was to travel with Jesus, he obeyed the instructions given to him to go home and tell what Jesus had done for him. I wonder if you see in this something of your own story. Has there been a time when you felt drawn to Jesus? Did you make up your mind to believe in him? And then to go on and follow him day by day? Perhaps it's something of my story. And yet actually there's a bigger picture that we must not overlook. What was the purpose in this Delivering of the demon possessed man. Jesus came to fulfil God's purposes for people whom he had created. Now, for this troubled man, it meant that he was transformed. 
He was cured. And then he was given a whole new purpose in life. Go and tell what God has done for you. You see, discipleship is really not so much about us. It is really God's story. What he wants to do with us. Now next week we'll move on into chapter 9 or part of chapter 9 and we'll look at verses 51 to 62. But first we'll have a moment of prayer. Now if you are a Christian, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have believed in him, you are endeavouring to follow him, Just take a moment to thank God quietly in your heart for what he has done for you. We'll be transformed one day, removed from the very presence of all evil. If you are not a Christian, will you think about these things? Do you feel drawn to Jesus? But not yet have you believed in him. What a way to begin a new year. Think about that. Speak to somebody afterwards if you would like some help, further help. Or if something has not been clear this morning. But now just a moment of silent prayer together. Let us pray. May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen.